And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Research-based middle-class football chants. Using football to win round your other half's dad, how many times can you physically re-watch a game your team has won until you're satisfied? Reveling in the post-win schadenfreude of the opposition's fan TV YouTube channel, the interrogation techniques faced by celebrity fans of big clubs, and dealing with the footballless void of the closed season. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 227 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, alongside me, to adjudicate on this mess at Harland Dix is the returning Ellis James. How are you doing? Very good, how are you? Thank you for having me back. A pleasure. An, an MHD veteran, of course, from episode 46. Yeah. And um, one of your choices remains an absolute hall of famer for me. <laughs> would, you, would you care to briefly revisit it? You'd think, oh, great, I've, I have got generic football crowd cheering a goal noise here, option A. What bothered me so much in the 90s was that it wasn't generic because you could tell that it was a very specific goal because you could hear one person distinctly above everyone else going, yay! And it was the fact that this one person's going, yay! is what makes it so distinctive and this, uh, preventing it from being generic. And also you can tell that they're using the same one. And for some reason that really, really annoyed me. It's there. Oh my! Then being reunited with a, a long I lost heard, family. I heard the yank. It's like being reunited with a really bad case of eczema. <laughs> <laughs> so, what a moment that was, Ellis! I was so grateful, and I probably get a tweet a week from someone who said, "I've just heard your Messer Holland Dix episode." That yank. Noise has bothered me since 1995, so thank you for finally putting this to bed. It was absolutely everywhere. Um, but y- your job is different this time around. You're, you're essentially the Charlie Eccleshare of this arrangement. You are absolutely. the middleman. And you might come in handy here because for Mesut Harland Dix this time around is your Fancy Football League co-host, British comedy legend, Matt Lucas. Hello, Matt. Hello there. Very nice to meet you. I'm a great admirer of your 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 oeuvre and your work. <laughs> That's excellent. I'm really delighted to hear that. Um, uh, as 17.9 percent 
of our Mesut Harland Dicks guests have been so far, the data tells me. You are an Arsenal fan. Um, Just what is it about celebrity Arsenal fans? Why are there so many of you? Well, the media, as we know, the media has a London bias. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of annoying middle-class Arsenal fans. They actually dominate the British media and Arsenal fans. And I mean dominate. Mm. You would have thought it would be Man United. You would have thought it would be Liverpool, but it is Arsenal. And even in London, you think there'll be a fairly even spread between Spurs fans, Chelsea fans, West Ham maybe. But no, Arsenal, 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 Arsenal. It is the old school tie of Highbury's sort of opulent uh, entrances and the marble halls and that kind of stuff. I was going to say, I feel like the outside the Emirates are about 245 Every other Saturday must be like the red carpet of the BAFTAs. Oh, yeah. if you want to get something commissioned, you have got to have strong opinions on yeah, Eddie and Ketia. It is the BAFTAs of of like sort of 1993 because there's, <laughs> there's, there's Clive Anderson and Rory McGrath and me. Amazing. And so it's a slightly retro BAFTAs, but yes. Some great work could be achieved amongst that lot. Um, uh, I mean, l- let's get the formalities out of the way. You're here primarily to plug this... this Program that you no, not just primarily, solely. Well, seventy <laughs> thirty, well, let's say. Um, Fantasy Football League returns on Sky Max this Friday. Now, I'm confused, Ellis. Is this strictly a second series, or have you had some sort of continental style winter break for the first series? It's a continental style winter break. Mm. It is block two of series one, but like political parties and their death throes, there's been some inconsistent messaging. <laughs> uh, so some of the TV guides are calling it Series 2, but uh, no, it's Block 2 of Series 1, because it's the same season, so we've got the same guests back, because obviously they all play fancy Premier League, so yeah. we're looking to see who will win. Russell Howard has an unassailable lead at the top at the moment. Uh, Roman Kemp, you can't even say he's breathing down his neck, because it's a, it's a real... It's like Man City running away with it a few years ago. He's... Or Arsenal running away with it this yeah. season. Yeah. Yes. If yeah. we had the time, we would consider about the threshold of breathing down a team's neck from second oh, to We don't have time for that. If Roman, Roman Kemp. I mean, Russell Howard would have to do a Newcastle night five, night six. We'd love it. I'd love it if we beat them to throw it away for, at this at this I, late stage. I see. I see. The thing I noticed instantly about the newly relaunched Fancy Football League is the set has been so faithfully recreated, man. Mm. It's, it's actually scary how similar Although, I mean, it, identical it's identical except there was a spurs pennant that i had removed <laughs> yeah, was that true. in your contract yeah no i just was like it was in my eyeline i was like i might have been that all right so yeah. um i'm um yeah i'm a pretty unbearable human being yeah couldn't just couldn't bring myself to to just look at it it was, it was in his eyeline it was distracting him mm. you know you just if you're playing if you're playing fancy fancy premier league and tv comedy at the highest level you can't be distracted you by can't. it's fine margins, Adam. It's fine margins. <laughs> you know, and, and now we have VAR in the studio as well. It's just... Yeah. This, this petty approach to the other half of North London will crop up, I think, several times in the remainder of this episode, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, last thing, while you're both here, um, I actually emailed in a contribution from the opening weekend of the Premier League season. Um, it was when I realised that Bournemouth's Vitality Stadium was, I think, the first and probably last Premier League stadium where a tea bar with the chalkboard price list was visible on TV. So, but that was ignored. So you, you can all go fuck yourselves, actually. Uh, <laughs> at the Fetch, used to be served 
coffee in the away end from a giant jar of Kenko. Like a massive... Like an 12, industrial tin. Like a massive 12-foot high jar of Kenko. Oh, right, comically there. big. Yeah, yeah, the lady would stand in there. Better times. More caffeinated times. Um, one final thing to go through before we go through Matt Lucas's footballing fascinations and irritations. I just want to share with you some research-based middle-class football chanting. Um, on Tuesday night, Dulwich Hamlet entertained Ebbsfleet United and uh, their supporters went as far as looking up the opposition goalkeeper on LinkedIn and discovered that he is completing his SEMA qualification to become an accountant. And this is what the result of that was. It's coming for you! It's coming for you! The financial year end! It's coming for you! <laughs> Ellis, there's an inherent smugness to this, which I actually quite like. I like that. I think the fact is the internet now has opened up so many different avenues for finding out uh, about opposition players. I always find it incredible at Swansea. If an opposition player has even the tiniest of links with Cardiff City, you will be booed for 90 minutes. And I'm just thinking, how do you know that he was on loan at Cardiff 11 years ago and played two games and didn't score? And, and you're calling him a scum bastard for, for an hour and a half. It's all or nothing, basically, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My other question on the back of this, Matt, is should accountants necessarily make good or bad goalkeepers? Is that something, does it lend well, itself? I met Rob Green once. He was doing an MA in business administration during oh, his yeah. playing career. Yeah, so Barry Horn, degree in chemistry. Steve Highway, a degree as well. How Robson, Robson Carn, who's no fool. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that, no, that's fine. But uh, don't see many accountants between the no, sticks. No, no, no. but it's always good to have another string to your bow, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, you never know when that goalkeeping lark will fall, fall through. But um, anyway, it's time for yeah. Mesut Harland Dicks with Matt Lucas. Do you know what? My, um, <laughs> the first thing I appreciated about your choices was that they arrived about 10 minutes before we recorded, but they, they arrived in the form of a screenshot from the iPhone Notes app. Just like an apology, yeah. like, you, like you'd just been sent off in a derby. <laughs> well, actually, what had happened was I wrote them yesterday. <laughs> like, a, like a statement. And I've made enough of those. But I wrote them yesterday and sent them to my publicist who didn't pass them on. And then the, and then I emailed them to the publicist on the show, but I emailed, I, 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 the, the email address ends in com, C-O-M-M, not C-O-M. So it was just, it was, so you were a bit- That's an annoying URL yeah. actually, isn't it? Yeah. So I actually did the work yesterday, but you didn't get the work until today. And I, for that, I apologise, but I only, I, I apologise with the caveat that it was absolutely nothing to do with me. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, but I take responsibility in the yeah. way that a manager takes responsibility when his players don't play as they should have done. And Adam's giving you the chairman's vote of confidence. Yes, I am. Increasingly so. But a good Thank glimpse you. into the Russian doll nature of your PR setup anyway. <laughs> uh, Matt, please share with us your first fascination of football, please. So the first thing I love about football is the fact that it gives strangers, particularly heterosexual men, uh, something to talk about with each other you it gives you it unites it unites strangers mm. this is in a world where i don't like most people that i know so so to be able to enjoy the company of someone that i don't know it's really good for instance if you're gay and you're into football and you meet the brother or father of the person you're dating for the first time because then you can sort of distract them from the fact that you do naked things with their son 
which is something they don't want to think about because you can just talk about Sheffield Wednesday. You know. Okay. In this situation, what's your opening gambit? Like, what's your what's your strongest piece of small? Oh, talk? I think you go. I know. I think you go straight in, and you just. What about the owls? Do you call them the owls yourself, or yeah. do you just call them Wednesday? You, you go, go in with a nickname. You chant your in, arm yeah. with a nickname. Straight in, and it's like it's like saying, you know, don't worry, I'm safe. I'm from the same world as you. Yeah. It's fine. But it's it's an it's an amazing unifier. It, it's yeah. it's um it's like speaking a language. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we also know this from the fact that sometimes you say, um, I've got to go, sorry, I've got to go, um, you know, um, uh, Man United are playing, I don't know, Leeds. And the person says, oh, I, I don't watch football. And then you go, well, it's, it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, and you, you, what you want to tell them or you do tell them is that, you know, Man United's top goal scorer used to play for Leeds or some something that would make the match kind of interesting, one of the many sort of micro-narratives that, mm. that make football interesting, that give it a context. And they just go, no, I'm not interested in football. And you say something like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo scored the most extraordinary goal perhaps that's ever been scored. And they just go, no, I'm not into football. And you go, okay, 11 people died on the pitch during the game. They just go, I'm not into football. <laughs> so you people just, it's like a kind of, people have a visceral reaction yeah. to football if they don't like football. they they, they Because they've been kept hostage far too often by people trying to tell them things. Yeah. And it's a little bit like when you meet someone and they talk about a, a sport other than football, because I'm only really interested in football. I can watch a bit of tennis, quite enjoy tennis. Used to like watching boxing, don't enjoy it anymore. But football, I'm sort of only interested in football. You actually only need to be interested in football because there's so much football mm -hmm. and there's so much about football. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that same response when people go, oh, no, no, I like rugby. I just think, hmm. So I sort of walk away. I only ever hear I like rug because I've left <laughs> conversation already. Don't even make it past the first syllable. That's that, no. that is dedication to your sport. Okay. Who do you support, and do you go very often? Yeah. Because mm. because if they do you go, yeah. If they if they go, where do you sit? Where do you sit? And then that that leads the conversation to a very very different route. I think because there is a difference between sort of armchair fans and people who, who who go week in week out. Yeah. And then. You know, half an hour later, you're at a wedding and you're like, yeah, yeah well, what do you think about Chris Sutton's solitary appearance for England B? <laughs> and and he's like, oh, my God, this I think this guy might be my best friend. Yeah, we've gone deep. You go deep and quick. Yeah. It's Chris, like come on, Mia, yeah. Nice, oh, lovely. Oh, on that trajectory, though, of yeah. sort of learning about someone's football intellect, it's interesting, Ellis, to me that Matt's opening gambit, as he says, is, you know, how are the owls getting on this season? Which... As a recipient of that small talk from someone, I actually find it quite annoying because what level of detail do you think you should give back in that answer? Because you sense that they don't really care, but you're, you have that vested interest in it. So how much detail do you give in the how are your team getting on this season opening gambit? Well, what I find I always do is, especially if we're doing badly, I contextualise it within the history of the club, which actually becomes wow. very dull then. So someone says, you know, how are you doing? I'll go, oh, we're 18th in the championship at the moment. And they'll go, oh, I'll go. But what you've got to remember is that we were actually in the old division two for sort of 40 years either side of the war. And then obviously we had to apply for re-election to the Football League in 1975. And then we went 4 through 2 and Toshak had a great season, 82 and 82. The first division, we finished sixth. That had been top of the table since August. Obviously fell away um, in at Easter, a weak squad, lots of injuries, lost the final five games. So, so I mean, it's not it's not that bad, actually, when you think about it. Because certainly when I started going, we were in the lower divisions. I need you to bear that in mind. <laughs> 
it's a really good way really good way of going about it I, I will consider that one Matt let's hear about your second fascination of football please I love watching match of the day when your team has won when you've already been at the match yeah and you've already come home and watched it on Sky Sports or BT Plus the whole match and the pundits you've watched it you've played it all back and then still watching match of the a day. Third, a third helping of the game. A third helping and just basking in the glory. It's tinged with sadness because you know this will be the last. Yeah. The last sort of fresh viewing. But what does Danny Murphy think? Mm. What does Danny Murphy think? Will Will Martin Keown rile Alan yeah. Shearer? Will well, Martin Keown be dressed like a Bond villain? It's also, it's <laughs> what I quite like about it. <laughs> What yeah, a fantastic role there <laughs> the other week. Yes. I quite like it. I quite like where you sort of, you know, if because my team's Arsenal, I like watching Gary Lineker have to sort of acknowledge that Arsenal are really good. I like the pain. Do you watch it when they lose? No. Good. Or not when they draw. No. Or when they draw even. No. I don't know. I, I tell you what, I watch it when they draw if they came from behind to draw. If they everyone knows that if you're if you score first and the other team equalise and the match ends, it feels like you lost. Yes. And you sort of you lost the win. You did lose the win. And it's it feels senseless. But no, I don't watch it if Arsenal lose. I, I if Arsenal lost like 1918, I'd probably watch it. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna see 18 goals. But no, I don't. No, that would be first on match of the day, wouldn't it? In nineteen eighty, yeah. knowing that Swansea have lost. Well, yeah, you watch the because I like to have it explained to me why we lost. Because <laughs> I am, I realise that oh, this is pathetic. I've stopped reading fiction because I'm trying to finally understand how the world works yeah. forever. So I'm trying to put the world to bed by just reading non-fiction. I'm the same. I, I really love watching people who know far more about football than me explain why asymmetrical overloads are meat and drink to our opponents. <laughs> it's just great. You feel like a proud parent watching your child in the school play, I think. Right. I assume when you're watching yeah. Match of the Day. Also, it's like... Some games are very, very stressful. Some victories are stressful. Recently, Arsenal beat Man United, but they scored in the last minute and they came from behind, but then they gave up their lead. And, they, you know, it was one of those pendulum games. And to coin a phrase, um, which I think will pass into popular parlance. <laughs> and um, uh, you do that thing my brother does. You take the water and then you cool it in your mouth before you swallow it. <laughs> my brother does that. And you talk to my brother after he's taken a swig, he's like, Mm, 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 we'll add that on as your fourth fascination if you like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the pendulum games sounds like something that is very commonly said on American football coverage yeah kind of thing Bob Bradley would have said yeah a, that's a pendulum game it's yeah. a pendulum game speaking well, of that someone pointed out to me yesterday that, uh, that they were a big NFL fan and they said that um at the end of the season when all the coaches get sacked and they all get new jobs it's called the coaching carousel which is oh, no. like they're not allowed to use our brand now. We go round, no. Oh, so there you go. Well, um, there is a thing where you know you've won and you can watch match of the day in in um, just with impunity. We just it's lovely. It's gutless. It's a gutless way of consuming football, isn't it? It's a cowardly way of consuming football, isn't it? Really? Yes, but I am a coward. But also, I'm proud of it. You? Oh yeah, no shame here. I used to, what I used to do is back in like the 80s um, or early 90s, before every game was on, I would listen on the radio 
But sometimes, like say if Arsenal are playing a midweek cup game, I would avoid listening to the radio. You didn't have to avoid the TV and nobody was texting you. There was none of that going on. Mm. So if you just avoid, you just don't turn on the radio, you wouldn't know the score. And then I'd watch the highlights yeah. without knowing the score. And watching the highlights without knowing the score is, is, is really great because, but sometimes what happens is you when you watch the highlights, right? And you don't know the score. They'll show you a really innocuous booking <laughs> in the first half. It's an art form, and it's a real. Is it Harbinger or Harbinger? Harbinger, yeah. yeah, yeah I struggle you, with that one too. You no, know, if you see someone get an innocuous booking, yeah, in the highlights, you know they went off and you lost. So, um, but no, watching match of the day whilst you've already won. When when Arsenal were really mercurial with Henri and Pires and Lundberg. When they were steamrolling teams four and five nil, you could watch a live match and it felt like you were watching match of the day having oh. won because you would because there was just no you just you knew you were going to win by many goals. I tried to do a likely lads and I didn't go on Twitter and I didn't go on Facebook and I didn't go on Instagram. And I didn't have the radio on, so I wasn't getting the news, didn't have the telly on. It was going so well. And then I got a notification on my phone from BBC Sport. And I'd gone gone so, I was so deep by that point. It was like 20 minutes before the programme started. Why do you need notifications from BBC Sport on your phone? Oh, because I'm a company man, Adam. (laughs) And I will for the day Uh, I die. I forgot about that, yeah. You you do so many different things. I, I... Forgot where your allegiances lie. Um, right, okay. Match of the day. Agreed. All, fully on board with this. Matt, your third fascination of football, please, which I think might be the pettiest one we've ever had on this podcast. Great. Bring it on. Um, this is this 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 shows who I really am. Mm-hmm. It's watching Spurs fan TV after Spurs lose. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. It's two really lovely boys. It's these two nice boys. I think they're brothers. They're about, I feel like they're in their kind of early to mid thirties. They're nice. And sometimes they have their grandfather on. He's nice. Right. And quite like their disappointment. I'm sorry. It's, it, it, I don't come out of this anecdote very well. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I like them because they're actually, they're very, very passionate about the game. And sometimes if Arsenal have lost, but Spurs have lost as well, yeah. I'll watch it just to make myself feel a bit less bad. Oh, OK. Is this after or before match of the day that you're watching Spurs fan TV? After oh, in between, because you've got to fill the time. Right. Uh, <laughs> and no, but what I like about them is, look, they're Spurs fans and I'm an Arsenal fan. But actually, they're, they're sort of, they're nice and they're passionate. And the guy who sort of is the main guy in it, he's actually genuinely quite knowledgeable about football and they watch they do that thing that sky do on a saturday afternoon they're watching the match and you watch them you can't see because obviously they're not allowed to show the match and so for me if i was commentating like that on a match and arsenal were letting in a goal i would just go oh oh and i just curse but they he carries on commentating even when it's at his team's expense. He never, he's sort of, he's providing a service. I don't, I shouldn't like them because they're Spurs fans, but I really genuinely like them. And I felt if I met them, I'd get on really well with them. I like them. They're sweet, even though they're Spurs fans. So I think it's, it's not really their disappointment that I enjoy. I genuinely enjoy their coverage. We can combine these two fascinations uh, into a particular case study for Matt's 
Matt's existence, Ellis. Um, on the Sunday, the 15th of January, Arsenal won 2-0 at Spurs. So this is how, presumably, Matt's Sunday worked out. Did you go to the game, Matt, just to be clear? No. So I was working. I was doing a podcast right. um, in front of an audience. And I could see that the podcast was going really well and that it was running over. And I decided to be in the moment. So I carried on doing the podcast. And it, uh, half an hour of the match had been played. Arsenal 1-0 up. But I didn't know this. Right. I'd avoided the score and I went downstairs to the dressing room and because we were doing another podcast in the same venue after that. Mm-hmm. And I and I watched the remainder of the game. So when I turned on, we were already one nil up. And it was it was that first half was they were Arsenal cruised, really. And then they got another goal before half time. And and it was just it was a very relaxing match in the second half. Spurs fought back and they could have. I think if they'd got a goal back Spurs, mm-hmm. then it would have been a different game. But it was Arsenal, to be honest, didn't even have to go into top gear for that match. Mark Steele, the comedian, who's a mate of mine, really funny guy, massive palace. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you've had him on the podcast, and I, I'm going to steal one of his anecdotes, but obviously fully credited. He was doing a tour show the night Liverpool threw the title away and drew three all at Sellers Park. Obviously, Liverpool were 3-0 up. So they were 3-0 up during the interval, and then Palace scored a couple. Interval, dear. Yeah. <laughs> So, a strange one, but we'll go with it. <laughs> but he was um, so he, he extended the interval so that he could listen to as much. Oh, you meant I thought you said in, you meant the football interval. Oh no, 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 the interval of his. Oh, I thought you were calling half time. No, 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 no. The no. interval. <laughs> oh, that's why I was like, oh, stay. But he was, he was on. No, you were talking about the interval. Yeah, that's what they call it. The Emirates, I believe. So, so Mark, Mark was on tour doing a show in I don't know Bridlington or Southend or wherever it was at which point the person in the theatre came into it came into his dressing room and said Mark it's been a 40 minute interval you can't you've got to get back out there people are confused and he, it was such an excited match he thought well I, I can't do the show knowing that this is happening because I actually think Palace are going to pull one back and we're going to we're going to end up drawing the game so we took a radio with him on stage and he made the audience listen and then Palace equalised and then he went right Let's do some comedy. And oh, then, brilliant. Seamless. Yeah. That all worked out quite well. But, yeah, on this particular Sunday, I'm I'm picturing Matt watching the game, then watching it again later, watching Spurs fan TV, then watching Match of the Day, and they're just sort of sitting back on your sofa just going, ah, oh, what a lovely day. Yeah, did so, all that. Yeah. yeah. So, that. yeah. Well, no, I did it. I did. I watched it all on YouTube on Catch Up. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Fantastic. Fair play to you. And, and I actually carried on. I watched rewatch the highlights on the Monday night as well. Oh my, that's madness. No, too much. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Welcome back to Football Clichés. You're listening to Meza Harland Dix with Matt Lucas. Uh, alongside him, Ellis James, who's steering us through the madness of Matt Lucas's football brain. Right, this is the fun bit. Tell us about your first irritation of football, please, Matt. OK, so my first irritation of football, and I think this is something a lot of people can will, will associate with, but it's something that particularly happens to me because I'm on the telly, is the assumption that... Some fans make when they see me that I can't be a genuine fan because I'm also on because I'm on telly as well. Yes. That therefore my fandom must be inauthentic. But it, it, even putting that aside, it is the thing that happens. And and uh, when I meet an older Arsenal fan who sort of sounds me out to see how much I know, yeah. and sort of quizzes me to see if I'm the real deal or not. Yeah. And it's that thing that football fans do to other supporters of the same club when there should be camaraderie, support, love, and maybe even sex. But there isn't. They, there is instead um, this sort of like a suspicion that um, you may not be as much of a fan yeah. as they feel they are. How direct and, and are what, they with this? Well, they're like, oh, so were you there? You know, did you go to Fratton Park in 86? You know, it's that kind <laughs> no, of... No. Yeah. In the season, dead rubber. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely pointless for yeah. both sets of supporters. Yeah, waste of money, freezing cold, caught, yeah, in, a, yeah. caught in a tornado. Were yeah, you there? Yeah. yeah. Were you there? But it's the inference that somehow you're being dishonest and disingenuous. Yeah. And what I hate about it is the fact that there's no part of me that can enjoy and sort of go and like, because what I'd love to do is go, no, I remember when Tony Andrews was Arsenal captain. <laughs> I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And really, sort of, just wind them up, but in, but I can't. There's no, I can't. I yeah. feel like, I, it's like, it's like I'm sort of drawn into it. Yeah. Even though I'm a man, 
an adult. I get drawn into it. I feel I have to prove myself yeah. and my yeah. credentials to these strangers. And it's, it's, I really don't, it's just a sort of weird sort of territorial thing that you don't believe that somebody you don't already know could possibly be as much of an Arsenal fan as you are. Oh, Frankie Lomberg and David Burkham. Yeah. Wonderful players. But do you get this? Do you mean yeah. Swansea fans who think, who somehow they're trying to sort of get you to prove how Swansea you are? Ellis doesn't have this problem because you, you, he's bared his Swansea supporting soul in so many public places. I'm not successful enough. <laughs> I think... <laughs> True. I think what's, it's actually covered in fever pitch. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? When my... Uh, match-going heights was probably my early 20s when I didn't uh, have a girlfriend and I was working and I had a small amount of disposable income and no responsibility. So I used to, I used to go week in, week out. So there was a group of us. We had nothing else to do. We were all in the same sort of position. I, I do go less now. So I live in London and I've got young children and work, etc. There's a bit in... You've got me. Unmatched, obviously. Me. There's, there's a bit in me. Fever Pitch where he says, sort of 25-year-olds who, who have done every home game in 20 ways, do they have more right over the club than the 85-year-old who's been watching Arsenal since 1938, but now only does seven games a season mm. because he's very, very elderly? It's quite, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I think certainly when I was 22 or 23, I was probably quite cynical about the ones who cherry-picked games. But now I get it because obviously my... Life situation has changed so much. Nothing stopping the 85-year-old from setting up a YouTube channel, though, is there? <laughs> the couple, oh, no. That would increase their credentials. So a little tip for them, just so they know. Uh, that would get them back uh, into contact with their uh, with their fan base. Um, Matt, your second irritation of football, please. Uh, the fact that the close season feels 19 times longer than it actually is. I, I think the close season should be two weeks. That's fine. That's two brutal. weeks. We can all go on holiday. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. It'd be nice. Actually, quite nice to have two weeks without football. But that's it. Then let's let's crack on. Life is short. Life is hard. These players get paid tons. Yeah, yeah. They can carry on playing. I hate the close. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, oh, it's awful. That's a, that's an interesting perspective, actually, because Ellis, this is this is how I used to feel about the close season when when I was a kid, and I just thought this summer was an eternity for all sorts of reasons. It was the school holidays, and your brain just couldn't process anything that happened beyond then. So the summer was just the longest thing in the history of the world. But now, as I've grown up as a football fan, and I've sort of consumed so much football that my fatigue is just the highest it could possibly be. Preseason just goes in like a millisecond now. Yeah, especially if it's an international tournament. Yeah. What I hate about cross-season isn't the length of it, it's transfer speculation, which I think is the most boring aspect of football. Because it's hearsay. And, you know, you're like, just tell me, is he going or is he not going? And uh, tell me when it's happened. But it's the... And it seems to be the Real Madrid. And you're like, just just tell me if it happens or not. The Harry Kane to Man City thing dragged on for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I transfer speculation is something I just find interminably boring. Well, great. Well, they have a have a two-week transfer window. Yeah. And then get all done in a day. So terrible contracts and crack on. Does the start of the pre-season friendlies at least is that the cutoff point for you, Matt? Does that does that count as the action restarting for you? No, I, I, I don't like the friendlies. I actually don't really enjoy pre-season friendly because what happens is you win them like 4-0 and you get really excited. Well, that's complete fake. 
false yeah. hope or you lose them and you feel really bad yeah and do you watch the highlights of so you don't watch the highlights of any friendlies that you win no i, I genuinely don't care about losing pre-season they mean nothing the charity shield you want to win but there's so the rest of them i still call it the charity you don't shield. watch boreham wood fan tv every july <laughs> <laughs> i probably would quite enjoy that maybe i should <laughs> I do. I do. No, pre-season games don't really massively interest me. I remember um, Sonogo scoring loads of yes. goals in pre-season and then didn't score any for Arsenal. Well, that's so, it. You need to change your mentality. Close season will feel shorter if you just embrace pre-season. It's, it's, it's football in every possible way except for um, competitiveness. It's great. It's fine. I went to watch Swansea Barnet in a pre-season friendly. I went to, to Underhill for a, a game. Were yeah. they at Underhill still? No, it was the new stadium. Oh, yeah. And the the thing I find so funny about pre-season is the players are slightly unfit and it's hot. They just sweat so much. Yeah. So they sweat in human amounts at pre-season friendlies, which I, right. uh, yeah, which I find quite interesting. That stunned going. you, did it? <laughs> Yeah. Arsenal Barnet and we swapped ends at half time. Oh. Yeah, all the fans changed yeah. ends as well as the players. Yeah, it was nice. right then. Your final irritation of football, please. Um, okay. Again, again, a, a, a quite petty dig, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think this is a petty dig at all, and I, 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 I will be expecting you to take that, take that back. If I say Chelsea, I don't really mean just Chelsea. Well, I do mean Chelsea. Yeah. But I don't mean Chelsea. I mean, what Abramovich did, because what happened was it used to be that Man United were... He's got proper gooner now, hasn't he, Ellis? Yeah, it used to be that Man United had more money than everyone else and could buy all the players that no one else could afford. They bought Van Nistelrooy and this one and that one, right? And Varane and all the other players. But that was because they were the best club. With the biggest ground. With the biggest ground and the most fans. Therefore, they had the most money, right? Mm. That was that. It was annoying. But that was that. When Abramovich came in and just sort of bought loads of... He always spend- came in, didn't he? he yeah, came yeah, in yeah, And yeah. he bought loads of players. He's come in and, loads- and he's... <laughs> yeah, and he did that. And then what, it's not that what he did to Chelsea. It's what it's done to the whole game now. Because now, instead of it just being Man United that you needed to try and be better than, you now, there's now a big seven. And it's just now, it's just... In, it's It's just... Basically, the wealth has been shared and I hate it. It's also completely ruined my uh, big club metric. Because it's the big seven now. Yeah, but also like what I regarded as big clubs, say in 1992, it was based on FA Cup wins in the 20s and 30s. Right. And so I I used to say that Huddersfield were a big club because they'd won the league so many times under Herbert Chapman. But obviously they have they have they're not owned by an oil state. So it's I mean and so I mean, would they be entitled to be now? Because it'd be like well it's all right because they they used to be massive. So in your yeah, terms, I th- I, so I that would like justify it. Everton were always such a huge, and Aston Villa were a huge club because they've been successful. Leeds, yeah, since like the eighteen eighties. Yeah, it means got, Birmingham has shrunk. Yeah, and you've got pretenders to the throne then. But and I know that Chelsea fans are going to say, we won the league in 55. But it wasn't It wasn't like it is now. But if, if I, don't, I almost don't mind. If that's what Chelsea want to do, if that's, that was their thing. I sort of didn't really mind that, actually. It's the impact it's had on the rest of the game, which is now we have a load of clubs owned by really rich people yeah. and a load of clubs owned by not quite as rich people. And then all the clubs owned by really rich people are just spending crazy money. And it just, it just sort of... What about Blackburn then? Winning the league under Jack Walker. Yeah, well, that that was that was because uh, it's uh, more wholesome. It's it's allowed. Isn't no, it? no, 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 oh, no. We own that, some steel in Blackburn. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, but I think, steel. 
I think because they just won that one league and then that yeah. was it. Yeah, it just the one. It just, yeah. it, all that was, was, yeah, a bloke came in, paid loads of money. He came in. Bought a league. Yeah, yeah. came with in. With his yeah. steel. Yeah. Came Franny in. Lee with his bog roll. Yeah. Did he don't, come in? Because he was already here, it. wasn't he? So yeah. it's difficult. It's difficult. But don't you um, feel it's, it's sort yeah. of... Yeah, of course. And it's come full circle, hasn't it, Matt? Because Chelsea are sort of stealing the likes of Mikhailo Mudrik from under well, that, Arsenal's nose. Is I that mean, just annoying? There will be, be died-in-the-wall Arsenal fans who already had Mudrik on the back of their shirts. There will somewhere, someone somewhere will have an Arsenal shirt yeah, with Mudrik surely. on Surely, yeah, it did. That was just just annoying. Also, because he's got lovely blonde hair, he looks like he was in Backstreet Boys. Yeah, I know it. It's not a very witty answer. It is. It, it also, I'm Arsenal are a rich club and have outbid uh, outbid other clubs for players, and I realise they're part of that pack as well. But I felt I felt like there was a time when the fact that you had a bigger stadium or more yeah, fans yeah. or more success on the pitch. That was what you aspired to have. Whereas now, I think all you aspire to do is to have a rich owner. Yeah. And I don't think that is that much fun. Also, the weird thing is that because the Chelsea model works so well for that amount of time, we now have more rich club owners than there are trophies to win. So we now have a really bizarre situation where you can be spending half a billion on a team and they win absolutely nothing. Yeah. And that's just nuts. So I don't know. It's just changed the game. and. No human being likes change. But I would like you to take back your criticism of my answer. That's fine. I will do. But um, it's interesting because, I mean, as we've established, 17.9% of our Mesut Holland its guests have been essentially celebrity Arsenal fans. And um, so I guess it's fairly fitting that you've basically alienated about 40% of our biggest listenership here in the south of England. That's good. Anything, any sort of, anything you want to say about Charlton or, I don't know, Watford, <laughs> if they count? Anything to say about them? Might as well alienate them as well. No, I quite like Watford. I grew up six miles away from Watford. Oh, Charlton. Right. Charlton. Yeah. Let's make this about Charlton. Boo, Charlton. Good one. Yeah, no, that's fine. We'll take that. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear your footballing fascinations and irritations. We got there in the end, didn't we? Via your mm-hmm. iPhone. We did. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, good luck with the first, second half of the first series slash second series of Fantasy Football League. Uh, look forward to the Phoenix from the Flames that's coming up that I sort of know about and can't wait to see. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both in the same room. It, it's it's a weird setup for Meza Dix, but it works. Great thumbs up from the pair of you. Thank you, Adam. Thank, Thank you, you Adam. Adam. Thank you for having us. Yes, indeed. Thanks to Matt and Ellis. Thanks to everyone for listening. And if anyone actually knows any celebrity fans of other clubs for Meza Dix, please do suggest them. I'd love to have them. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Cheers. The Athletic. <laughs>